3: Welcome, 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 my friends. That's right. It is time for At Your Service here on KMOX this fine evening. My name is Greg Damon, hanging out with you all the way till 10 o'clock tonight at your service. Got a little jam-packed show tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. Going to talk about a bunch of stuff as well. Uh, hey, you know, I just love doing this show. I love being with everybody out there. If you got a question or comment, you can give us a call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, and uh, we'll try to uh, answer some questions. We we'll have, we'll have a little bit of time for open phone lines as well. But I want to just jump into it right here, off the hop here tonight on At Your Service. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in our first guest. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's uh, it's it's Kevin. It's Kevin Wheeler.
4: Kevin, how are you? I'm good, and I'm sure everybody can live just fine without me.
3: You know, well, I got to tell you. So I met uh, Matt, the new sports open line host tonight. Matt's great, isn't he? And, and I said, uh, hey, you know, I got uh, Kevin Wheeler come on. He's like, Kevin who?
4: Yeah. So That's what he should have said. I mean, he's got the <laughs> job, man. He shouldn't be listening to things about me. <laughs> What's going on, my friend? Not much, dude. What's up with you? What's new?
3: Not much. Hey, so I want to get your take here. Uh, you know, uh, my son Nick, huge baseball fan, uh, and, and a lot of people in Cardinal Nation wondering about uh, the Cardinals acquiring Juan Soto. And uh so you know I I proposed a couple of trades to my son today about it. Uh he's a big Harrison Bader fan, so of course I I said let's uh you know what what would would you trade uh and Harrison Bader for Juan Soto for 2 years.
4: Oh, like, I mean it's going to cost you more than that, brother. Oh, I gu-
3: I guarantee it's going to cost more <laughs> than that. I guarantee it's going to cost more than that. I just I just kind of want to ruffle his feathers a little bit though, so.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's uh I mean, look there is a really good case to be made that adding a player of that caliber is a good idea, right? I mean, I, I would not argue against anybody who thinks that's a good idea. It's a great idea. I mean, if you, could you imagine a lineup that has him and Goldie and Arenado together, even if it is just for a couple more years after this year, right? I mean, if you're looking at it and saying, all right, well, look, we got it. We got guys that are veteran status, you know, Goldie's only got two more years on his deal and, you know, in, Couple more years, Arenado enters his mid thirties, so maybe it's a good window now. I mean, I think there's a really smart and strong argument for that. But then you have kind of the bigger picture questions. Greg is not that whether you're worth whether you're willing to give up prospects. I mean, giving up prospects for arguably the best hitter on the planet, uh, who's only twenty three years old, not that big a deal to me. If it's just that, I can live with that. But the reports out of DC are that they sound like they're trying to attach the remaining like $55 million on Patrick Corbin's horrible deal to a trade uh, involving Soto. In other words, they're saying, if you want Soto, you got to take this bad deal too. (laughs) Oh yeah. And we, and we want an elite return in talent. So right now they're really trying to leverage what they have with these extra years. And obviously the quality of the player, and they're going to see how many of these bigger market teams, these teams that might be able to afford them are going to jump in. But, yeah, I think it's it's a tough one to put together because it's not like the Arenado deal, right? You know, the Arenado deal happens in part because the Rockies paid the Cardinals fifty million dollars as a part of that deal. Right. That's not happening with Soto. I mean it's just not gonna go that way.
3: No, I, I agree with you on that. Uh what do you think kind of package let's just let's just uh let's just spin the wheel. What do you sure. think kind of package here would uh would get him?
4: All right, so I I'll play the role of, of being the Washington Nationals. Yeah, just to, just um, hypothetically speaking, if I'm the Washington Nationals, and I'll even forget the Corbin thing for the time being, because, you know, reality is I'm asking you to do me a solid by taking that. Sure. If I'm going to leave that part out, I just want the best deal possible for my star player. Uh, number one, I want a major league player. I want a young major league player with years of control. So I'm going to, I'm going to start the deal with Dylan Carlson.
3: Okay, I was going to say and Carlson. You're not to need an outfielder. What's that? I was, that's who I was going to pick, A Carlson, sure.
4: Yeah, I mean, like you think about it, sure, you know O'Neal and Bader are also really good, and they have some team control, but Carlson's got more team control. He's got another four years of team control after this year. And one of those guys isn't going to play if you're getting Soto, right? Right. You know, so, I mean, I think that that's a, a, a pretty easy thing to say. All right, look, we're going to move an outfield. They're going to want the one with the most years of control. So you're going to start with Dylan Carlson. I can promise you that they're going to want a pitcher, probably at the caliber of Matthew Libertor. Who you know may or may not be a future ace. I think he kind of profiles more as a like a future number three starter. And I think you can convince me, or I think a lot of people, to, to part with him. I, you know, you can always draft and develop more pitching guys. The Cardinals are great at that. And then I want another guy though that could be a superstar. I, if I'm Washington, I can't make this deal without getting one player that could be a superstar. So I'm going to want someone like Jordan Walker yeah who right now is by according to mlb.com is ranked as the, I think the 7th or 8th best prospect in the entire sport um he's got all the tools he's he's potentially a future star i guess they could maybe be interested in the shortstop mason wynn too but walker has a higher profile walker um is viewed as a higher upside player now again i'm not saying the cardinals should have to do that i'm saying if i'm washington that's the beginning of my request
3: okay so let's say, uh, let's say we do that. What's the chances that the Cardinals would be able to sign uh, Juan Soto for a couple more years or, or a long-term deal uh, being with the Cardinal way?
4: So that's the, that's the other big question, right? If you're going to make this deal, you have to start with the assumption that you're only getting what's left of team control on him, right? Like you're, you can't assume that you're going to extend him because Correct. that's going to be something that has to play out over you know, maybe a year or two. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I mean, like if you're looking at how the Cardinals contracts work, if you start a new extension two years from now, uh, which is by the way, when Goldschmidt's is going to be coming off the books, uh, and you, you know, you'll, you'll end up having to pay more for other guys. I mean, these things tend to come and go, but one of your biggest deals will be off the books, right? Goldie will be off by then and he'll be in his late thirties. So you may or may not want to bring him back. And even if you did, it would be at a lower price than what he's making right now. So you, you will have some room to go big later on, but the Cardinals, let's, let's keep this in mind. It, it, you know, things can change. Ownership can change their mind about how they're doing things. They could come up with a new philosophy, maybe getting this caliber of player changes things, but let's keep in mind. They had Albert Pujols for 11 years and they didn't want to go 10 years on him. Now, again, he was in his thirties and Juan Soto will be 26. I think when he hits free agency, so a little bit different game, and maybe they would go 10 years on a 26-year-old as opposed to on a 31-year-old or whatever it was that Albert was when that, when that, uh, when that uh, deal he signed with the Angels sure. was, was locked in. I, do, you, do you see the Cardinals throwing a half a billion dollars at one player? No. I don't. I no. mean, and again, I'm not saying they can't or shouldn't. I'm saying I don't think that fits their model of how they do things.
3: Right. Well, let's let's face it. You know the Cardinals. Uh, you know they're they're normally competitive almost every year, and yep. but but they run it as a business. And I mean, I, you know, it, the other teams have to look at that and say, hey, you know, they're pretty successful year in year out. Draw a lot of fans. I mean, obviously we have the best fans in baseball, but you know, draw a lot of fans. Here's the other caveat, Kevin. So you bring Soto in. How many more tickets? How many more jerseys? How many more hot yeah. dogs does that sell? Yeah. It's a great question.
4: Does he does he sell more than bringing in Nolan Arenado? I mean, I don't know. Maybe um, I'll say this: you know, you're going to get more of his prime years, right? Like if you were to trade for him before the trade deadline, you would get before he would ever even get to a free agent contract. You got two plus years of a 23 year old superstar, right? Um, so he could be your franchise player even after Arenado's contract comes up, but that's not going to be for a while. I mean, Nolan, if if he now, the other thing is we, we don't know for sure that Arnato is going to opt in, right? He has an opt-out after this year. He could go into free agency. Right. I don't think he will. He seems very happy, and I don't think he matches that contract in free agency at the current age that he's at. Um, so I, I think he stays, but, you know, that's another thing to consider. If he were to opt out and you've already made this deal, well, now you've got a whole lot more money to throw at Juan Soto, and you have a franchise player. Like I said, there's a good argument for it. Um, but it doesn't really fit what the Cardinals have done, right?
3: No, nope, I mean, exactly. You know,
4: when you when you look at the deals that they've made on big name players, it's always been somewhat to their advantage. They didn't have to give up top prospects to get Nolan Arenado. They didn't have to go. They didn't have to go near any of their very best prospects, and they also got money in that deal. They didn't have to give up their best young players to get Paul Goldschmidt. They gave up some good players, but not your very best, not not the guys that are the ones we're talking about now. So they tend to make deals where they hold a little bit more power and a little more sway, and everybody in baseball wants Juan Soto, so you're certainly not in that kind of position here.
3: Right. Kevin, I got to do some business here. Hang with me a few more, please. Sure, why not? All right, fantastic. Folks, we're visiting with Kevin Wheeler, our, uh, our sports guru. Excuse, I should say one of our sports gurus here at KMOX, Tongue Little Sports here on a Thursday night at your service. Greg Damon hanging out with you till 10 o'clock tonight. We're going to do a little bit of business. We'll be right back. Stick around.
4: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.
5: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
6: We go where you go. 1120 a.m., 98.7 fm, KMOX.com.
3: Welcome back, everyone. 820 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. You're listening to At Your Service tonight here on KMOX. And we're having some fun tonight going all the way till 10 o'clock. Our good friend uh, Kevin Wheeler has uh, graciously, uh, I guess, uh, graciously gave his presence to us tonight so we can talk a little sports. Kevin, again, thanks for hanging out with us tonight.
4: Greg, I mean, you take care of my car, man. I can't say no. You're going to (laughs) make me crash. You got you got me you got me man you got me like in a bad spot. No, nah, dude, I love talking. I love talking with you, man. I love talking sports. You're a good dude. You're my man.
3: Yeah, we've been friends for a long time, so it's uh, it works out pretty well. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, you know we kind of we kind of put on the uh, the cap there talking about the Juan Soto trade. Uh, what do you think the Cardinals are going to do before the trade deadline? You think they're going to go out and get some pitching? I think
4: that's the more likely thing, right? Because l- let's be honest, man. Even if they were to add Juan Soto you're still short in the rotation, right? Right. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we could see, like, Stephen Matz is going to be back. He's going to pitch game two of the series in Cincinnati that starts tomorrow night. But, you know, he's not a top three starter going into a playoff series, really. I mean, you hope that he would pitch that well, but he's not. I mean, if you're banking on Jack Clarity, that's a hard thing right now. He's just been hurt so much for the last couple of years. We know he's good. You just don't know, you know, if he's going to be healthy enough to be in your playoff rotation if you get there. Um, So even if you added Soto, you're still looking at this thing. Okay. Where is our our stability in the rotation after Wainwright and Mike was sure. You want Dakota Hudson to show you that, but I mean, we're a little bit well, we're a week and a half away from the deadline two weeks, you know, less than two weeks away at the deadline. And we still haven't seen that consistency from him yet. Right. Right. Uh, You know, Matt has been hurt if if he's okay. Well, sure. That that's great. And it helps, but Liberatore has been a little inconsistent. Palante, uh, would really be helpful if he's in the bullpen. I mean, he's doing a good job filling in in the rotation. But I think that's where you you probably need to look at something. And I wonder, Greg, I, I don't know that they're going to do anything big, but I actually wonder if they might shoot a little bigger than usual there, in part because they really do have a lot of good young players in their farm system. They could afford to move a player or two to get somebody that had some team control that could fit in in that top three somewhere you know, either in the middle of or after guys like Wayno and Michaelis.
3: No, I, I mean, I think they got to do something. They, you know, they, they've, they've got to do something. They've got a pretty easy schedule coming up the second half. Uh, but, you know, they've got to show that consistency across the board. And also, Kevin, let's just talk about uh, Jack Flaherty. You remember before the season started, we had a conversation about him getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt, coming back. And now he's back on the DL.
4: You know, it's funny. I, I know that you're a mechanic, but I didn't know you knew anything about pitching mechanics.
3: <laughs> I know it all, man. <laughs>
4: yeah, no. That look. It, it anytime the shoulder comes in, it becomes a concern because shoulders are weird. They're cranky. They don't necessarily heal predictably. You might feel really good, and then when you kind of get out there and let it rip in a in a in a game, you know, at game speed, game intensity. You get different feelings than you did when you were even on a rehab assignment. So, uh, you know, those are inherently unpredictable. And, you know, guys can come back from them, but they don't come back from them like they do Tommy John, where it's basically, all right, you know, in 12 months you're healthy, in 18 months you're basically what you used to be. It's just not as consistent as that, and that makes it a complicated question when you're looking at what you can expect from him.
3: Nope, I agree. So let's switch uh, gears. We've got a couple minutes here. Uh, what about, uh, you know, big buzz around uh, hockey right now? Matthew Kachuk yeah. wants out of Calgary, excuse me, Calgary, and uh, wants to, uh, you know, move on. Obviously, uh, by the Flames, Johnny Goudreau moving on to a different team that really uh, upsets the apple cart in Calgary. Uh, what do you think? you think the Blues going to make a trade? I think they got a shot, right? I mean, like, look, if, if you're trying
4: to – you catch up to the avalanche. The one thing that you need to do is improve the top end of your roster. I think if we look at the blues and abs, right, you look at the, at the top four, all four lines, you look at the depth. I think the blues are every bit as good as Colorado when you're looking at the top, just the, the overall roster, but are they as good at the very top? Are your four or five best at the level of their four or five best? Correct. I'm not sure that that's the case. So if you're going to try to make up a little ground on them, that's the kind of player, right? He's young. Let's uh, he, 24 years old? If you're going to sign him to a long-term deal, you're getting him in his prime years. He's from St. Louis. Right. Like, There's a lot that makes it make sense. The hard part here is figuring out the money. The salary cap is the issue. I mean, the Blues didn't have enough cap space to bring back David Perron. So they've got to create that space. Is that is that moving Vladimir Tarasenko in the deal? Maybe, and I would certainly do that. But does Calgary want him on a, on a one-year rental? I don't know. I mean, I, again, that's part of the question. If you you know, I've seen people mention Tory Krug. Well, Tori Krug, what do
3: you go there? They, he has a no-trade clause. What do you go to Calgary? A lot of right. lot that, of players don't I'm want saying. to go to Calgary.
4: That's right, and that's that adds to the complication here. You have to have somebody that either doesn't have no trade or no movement protection, who also makes a lot of money that you also are okay with moving. <laughs> Right. right, you don't like. You don't want to move Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, you know that you need him and a guy like Kachuk, not one or the other. So it's complicated, and I think that's what makes it, uh, uh, to me. Not I don't want to say. I don't want to say unlikely, but I want to make it. I I want to say that it makes it less, um, less of an easy thing to predict because anything's possible. And Doug Armstrong's been very creative, and he's pulled off some whoppers of 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 a absolutely. trade in the past right absolutely you know he, he he's made some big moves that have worked out this one because of the cap though is really tough
3: right now i think you have to move tarasenko on that trade no doubt about it well kevin hey or, I want.
4: or you have to move him separately right like maybe there's a right a separate trade for him and then what you bring in can be sent on to calgary or whatever
3: yep absolutely kevin hey thanks so much for joining us here on the program always love to talk to you. you know that and uh, enjoying your midday show, man. That is, uh, it's 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 really a lot of fun to listen to.
4: I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for saying that. Uh, the the checks in the mail. <laughs> All
3: right. All right. We'll talk soon, Kevin. See you, dude. That's our good friend Kevin Wheeler here on at your service tonight. We're going to uh, change it up a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk a little home air conditioning coming up after the break. Stick around.
4: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Oh, Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
5: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places, but well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, like T-Mobile.
3: Mox at your service here on a balmy Thursday night here in the heart of mid America. 8:31 is your time, and uh, welcome back to uh, at your service. Greg Damon hanging out with you till 10 o'clock, and I got to say, folks, uh, it's a little uh, it's a little tepid outside. If uh, if you're around in the Midwest area, it's a little little warm. Okay, it's really hot. It's hot. It's really hot. It's humid. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about air conditioners because I got to tell you, at work, uh, we've had our air conditioner broke here the past couple days. So I've invited our good friend Scott Mosby from the Home Improvement Show, and he's uh, hanging out with us here on KMOX is at your service. Scott, thanks for joining us. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Scott. How about yourself?
0: Fantastic. A little warmer than normal, but uh, well, I think we all
3: are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A little warmer than normal. We had uh, our, our <laughs> air conditioner work uh, up in the office is broken twice and uh luckily they've got it back uh, fixed both times fairly fast. So, you know, but mm. for folks out there playing the home game of uh, at your service tonight, I know uh you know, some of their air conditioners might not be doing so well. Yeah. Uh.
0: Yeah, you know, Greg, it's important people just do the basics. Make sure that simple things are working for a reliable air conditioner. One is keep the stuff away from the condenser, the blower fan, the thing outside the house that makes the noise. Keep pots and, you know, and wheelbarrows and lawn things good two feet away because that unit needs to move a lot of air past all those fins inside that unit to make the air conditioner efficient, you know, change uh, filters. And remember the simple things that the sun is heat gain. So when we get above 100 degrees, and especially if we've got a sunny day and it's just broadside right on the house, you know, close the window blinds, uh, darken up the house because all of that glare is actually heat gained from the sun.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, talking about your outside unit, you know, you're talking about keeping things away. Uh, one thing that I've found around our home unit is you know when uh, when the grass gets cut and that air conditioner's on, it just sucks <laughs> that grass right up to the uh, AC condenser, and uh, so now you know it's a good thing to kind of kind of wash all that stuff down. Not not with a high pressure, but just kind of rinse all that off there a lot.
0: Yeah, just give it a bath. Absolutely, just take a look and see if it looks the way you think it is. Just like you're saying, Greg, if they're grass clippings or leaves or whatever that gets drawn up in there, because that's how the fan works. It draws it in low and blows it out high.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, folks walk around there and that fan's blowing. It's blowing out hot air. People don't realize that the air conditioner doesn't manufacture cold air. It removes hot air from the house.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's just like the aerosol can. If you remember hairspray back in the day or any kind of compressed air, any kind of aerosol today, The more you spray that can, the colder the can gets. As pressure drops, so does temperature. So, you know, and that's the whole basis of an air conditioning unit, central or otherwise, is it compresses, pumps down, and pressurizes that gas, turns it into a liquid, and then it brings it back inside the house and then expands that hot liquid into a gas. As it expands it, just like an aerosol can or a basketball deflating or anything else, that, area gets cold and that's where the cold comes from inside the house but then it compresses it back down on the way back out sends it out to the outside and like you're saying it's the job of that outside condenser compressor to compress it and as that heat gains blow the heat away to try and cool off that hot liquid anyway i'm getting too nerdy on here
3: but <laughs> no, you know <laughs> not at all it's got to dissipate heat the heat. as much
0: as you want yep
3: you got got to dissipate that heat out And, uh, you know, so, so that's what I was going to ask you. My next question is, you know, I see a lot of, uh, different types of home air conditioners are the, I should say the, the, uh, the box outside seems like they're different sizes. Uh, some, some homes have two or three air conditioners. Uh, do you think bigger outside condensers are better or is there a certain math equation for your house or how does that work?
0: Well, you get into the S-E-E-R, Seasonal Energy Efficiency Rating, S-E-E-R, which is kind of like a miles-per-gallon measure for an air conditioner. Well, the more cooling fins you have and the greater amount of air that goes past those cooling fins, and that is delivered by bigger boxes outside. So the larger that outside unit is, generally the higher the sear is, because if you have a small unit, it can only get rid of so much heat like you're saying. But if you spread that out over a great big unit, so those outside condenser compressor units, just like you're saying, Greg, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as they get bigger, they also get quieter because you don't have to blow them so hard to remove the heat from that hot gas. So you're exactly right. They are getting bigger, but as they get bigger, they most generally recently are getting quieter.
3: Yeah, it seems that with the uh, HVAC systems, it, you know, everything's turning to high efficiency, and it seems like that with the air conditioners as well.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know, the, the more energy we use for any given thing, the less there is left over for other things. So Charge your it's, car. it's kind of a foot race. You know, it's important that, you know, we use our energy wisely.
3: Nope, you're absolutely right, Scott, absolutely right. So... What are some things that, that folks, you kind of mentioned about closing down the drapes, keeping it dark inside. What should they be looking for as their house in this uh, dreaded heat that we got going on?
0: Well, simple things. Again, Uh, anybody that has storm windows or has screens down, it's the summertime. You know, it does get cool enough in the evenings. We open up our windows and change the air in the house. Remember, during the day, drop that glass panel. If you have storm windows, close down that glass panel because, you know, an insulated glass unit, you know, that glass itself is like an R1, maybe an R2. When you d- double it with that storm panel, you know, raise the the screen and bring down the glass, you're doubling the efficiency of that window. That sounds odd, but it's so low in its, inter- in its energy efficiency, if you will, that that second storm panel is a big deal. Then close the drapes. Uh, make sure your doors are latched and pushed closed. Uh, adjust any thresholds if you, you know, About 6.30 in the evening when dusk hits, it's a great time to just kind of look underneath the door and around the door and see whether there's any light coming in because that indicates that there's not a good seal. And you get, uh, you know, a little bit of air here, a little bit of air there at 102, 103 degrees like we're going to face here in a few days. You know, you're talking about a lot of uh, heat gain that now that air conditioner has to work harder to make up and make for. So uh, just be aware of things like that, window coverings, change the filters, simple stuff. You know, don't miss the, you know, the little league benefits that bring the high returns, like, you know, close your blinds, change your filters, and, uh, you know, do the best you can keep the stuff away from that outside compressor.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a couple years ago, we were, I uh, on, we were talking about it, uh, massive drought that uh, we had here in the Midwest area. Seems like uh, maybe that's creeping up again.
0: Yeah, it is. well, I mean, it uh, Mother Nature balances the scales, but we're getting more extremes as we go through this weather pattern for whatever reason you believe it happens. But, you know, the fact is it's happening and the highs are getting higher, the lows are getting lowers and the storms are getting bigger. So, again, um, when the drought hits, the soil shrinks. So just like dry skin. If I have very dry skin and I don't moisturize it, then my skin tends to shrink and shrivel and I get wrinkles. And in extreme in the winter, you know, it'll split and crack. So does the soil. You pull the moisture away from the soil around our house, our foundation, the soil literally shrinks and gets smaller and moves back away from the foundation. And then when we get that big drenching rainstorm, which we're inevitably going to get, uh, it goes right down on those cracks, right into the basement. Now we've, we're talking about wet and leaky basements when, you know, last year we weren't. So beware of the drought. It's a big deal. It's it's important to water around your foundation. I know it's strange, but, you know, I've had callers on the KMOX Home Improvement Show on Saturdays call in and say, should I water my foundation? Like, you know, you're you're pretty enlightened there. Yes, it doesn't hurt. I mean we're in a we're in a town where we have rivers everywhere so it's not a place that we're, we're short on water. That's Even right. when we have a drought we've got rivers everywhere.
3: You're right. Hey Scott, thanks so much for joining us here on At Your Service tonight. Uh, always a wealth of information and uh, man, I miss talking to you, man. It's uh it's a lot of fun oh, yeah. to have you on the show.
0: Thank you Greg. Nice talking to you too.
3: Thanks so much. That's our good friend, Scott Mosby, my friends from the X Home Improvement Show. We got to do a little bit of business, but stick around. More to come on at your service.
4: It's that time of year. Cash the Ticket, Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back, everyone. KMOX is at your service here on a uh, balmy Thursday night. And uh, we're hanging all the way out till 10 o'clock tonight. Matt Pajeski in the control room, kicking out the jams. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair. We're rolling on with more of at your service. Uh, up next tonight, our next guest over from Worldwide Worldwide Technology Raceway, John Bishi. He is director of communications, joins me. John, how are you, my friend? Not too
7: bad. Trying to keep cool and... Good, av- good evening, everyone. You know, I almost I almost feel guilty for breaking up that last segment because I have to tell you, and I'm not joking around, I was learning a lot about air conditioning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've I've got a rental house here, and uh, sometimes when it goes up into the 90s, it, my temperature only goes down to 73 in the house. So it's like I'm busy taking notes while I'm waiting to go on the air.
3: Yeah, get outside and wash that coil off. That'll help out a lot. Yes, so I will. That'd, that'd be the first thing to do. I, I Actually, actually, mm-hmm. I do that about once every three weeks around our house. Not, not a high stream okay. of water, but just, you know, just like right out of the hose. So sure. just wash all that stuff out. Well, John, I got to tell you, first of all, let's talk about uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway. Wow, what a NASCAR race you guys had. It was fantastic. It was great for the public. The stands were packed. Great for St. Louis. There was not one bad thing about it.
7: No, you couldn't ask for a better event. You know, you're always a little nervous and on edge when you're putting on something of that magnitude for the first time in this area. And the the fans stepped up. There's tremendous motorsports uh, enthusiasm in the Midwest. Tickets sold out pretty quickly. Uh, The drivers put on a good show. The new gen, uh, the the next generation cars uh, put on a good show. The local law enforcement agencies worked great with us for traffic, and I like I said, I don't think you could ask for a better
3: event. Yeah, I heard traffic was fantastic. Uh, you know, as far mm-hmm. as uh, the egress and, and outgress of uh, of getting in and out, I, I, I from everybody I heard it was like nothing like it used to be. You know, twenty years ago.
7: Right. Well, you know, you have a lot of other tools at your disposal now, and when you get together with local law enforcement and traffic experts and put people in charge that know how to move traffic during your race, um, how, when to change lane directions so that all lanes go in. And then at a certain point, all lanes of the speedway go out. Um, it works very, very well.
3: No, I, I thought it... other. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Worked
7: at other tracks, worked at other tracks that weren't as prepared and had some pretty, major traffic jams
3: yeah i i had uh chris blair on before the race and he said that uh, mm-hmm. you guys had tickets from like 48 states people from 48 yes. states around
7: For, 48 states two countries uh only one planet though
3: <laughs> yeah i tell you man it was uh it was a fantastic showing uh, my, my hat's definitely off to uh, curtis and uh chris and you Uh, for the event you guys put on. So now I want to talk a little about uh, coming down the road here, Uh, one of my favorite events, IndyCar's back at the track.
7: Yes, it is. We've got the uh, 6th Annual Bommarito Automotive Group 500. It seems like only yesterday that we were able to announce that IndyCar was coming back to Worldwide Technology Raceway. Now it's the 6th Annual Race. Um, It's going to be a great weekend. It's August 19th and 20th, and it's not just the IndyCar race. Uh, There's Coors Light Pole Night on Friday, and that includes the USAC Silver Crown Series. So you've got sprint cars with no wings and very wide tires going 180 miles an hour on their own. Indy Lights, the Indy Pro 2000 Series. And for those that don't know, the Indy Lights and the Indy Pro 2000 Series, think of them as AAA and AA Baseball. It's a development series. So you start out in Indy Pro 2000. A lot of the racers start out as kids in uh, go-karts. You go to Indy Pro two thousand, you progress from there, you go to Indie Lights, and Indy Lights gives you an opportunity in front of all of the IndyCar team owners to show what you've got. And if you win the championship, you uh, you're guaranteed at least three starts in an IndyCar race.
3: I did not so know that.
7: It's, yes, it's 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 a very good farm system that they have. Um, you're going to see some pretty Interesting diversity this time. You've got seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson, and this is going to be his first time in an IndyCar at Worldwide Technology Raceway. If you remember, when he left NASCAR and went to IndyCar, he was only racing on road courses. Well, now he's coming to our Oval. And on the other end of the spectrum, the field is going to include a bunch of Formula One drivers, including Roman Grosjean, Takuma Sato, and Marcus Ericsson. So you've got the best of NASCAR. You've got some pretty big stars from Formula One taking on the best that the NTT IndyCar series has to put out on the track. Uh,
3: I got to tell you, one thing I love about uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway, to me it's a driver's track because you have to be up on that wheel no matter what because all four corners are different.
7: Yes, and that's, that's the challenge. That's what separates this track from most of the others is because turns one and two are a different turning radius than turns three and four. And if you follow racing you know that the the team during practice works very hard to try and set up the car so it'll negotiate all the turns and still pretty go pretty fast down the straightaways. Well, at Worldwide Technology Raceway, because the turns are different, you can be set up very well for turns one and two and maybe be out to lunch in three and four or vice versa. So the everything is on the driver and the team. It's like, okay, we're where do you want to be good on the track, and the other two turns you're going to have to fight it out.
3: Yeah, and NASCAR obviously they set the cars up just like you're talking about, but I, I think with the Indy cars they have to even fine tune that a little bit, uh, a little bit harder, or to to make the car turn easier because of all the wings and everything else to try to channel that air.
7: Sure, they have all the downforce, and you know they're allowed to have the the rear wing, the front wing the bodies obviously are much more aerodynamic so aerodynamics and downforce play a huge role in IndyCar racing.
3: Yeah, absolutely, especially now with the uh with the canopies and everything else. It's a it's a whole different mm-hmm. car. <laughs> I yeah, think it's a, Yes, it is.
7: They're they're making it safer and safer and that's good. You know, because crashes are spectacular but we don't want to see anybody get hurt.
3: No, that's you're exactly right. That's just it. That's just it. So, hey, uh, also coming up a little bit later in September, uh, one of my favorite events, uh, because, man, I'll tell you what, the power is just so much when NHRA hits town and uh, all the drag racers are taking off.
7: Well, that's the Camping World Drag Racing Series on NHRA. Those are the top drag racers in the world. They're coming from a lot of different countries this year. And those cars go from zero to 325 miles an hour in 1,000 feet. And those engines, burning nitromethane, produce more than 12,000 horsepower. Now, we always used to say 10,000. And the crew chiefs are saying, no, we're, it's past that. We're doing 12,000 12, horsepower in 1,000 feet. It's crazy, just, isn't it? Just think of it it's yes. just
3: it's just crazy. Where do you think it's going to stop? Where do you think it's going to stop? Do you think it's going to be three hundred and fifty miles an hour? Do you think it's going to be fifteen hundred horsepower what do you, what do you think it's going to be i'm going to put, i'm gonna put the uh, well put the smart cap on you
7: okay back when I was a kid, there was a common thought in the early sixties that the human body could not withstand any forces over hundred and fifty miles an hour. Well, I think we proved all the scientists wrong there. Um, Don Garlitz went to two hundred then they started going to two fifty. When they started hitting 300 and getting close to 300, you have to worry about not just the speeds, but what else could happen. Um, The harder you push an engine, the the more likely it is to blow because it's burning nitromethane. It's creating millions of explosions inside the block. Um, You have to worry about crashes, Okay, Um, going that fast, something fails maybe a tire fails or you know maybe part of the body comes off it's something that you have to worry about because now the fans become an equation exactly you know if there were if there were no fans in the car crash then you just worry about the driver so the insurance companies and rightfully so get involved and say um guys might be going a little too fast here and you can get an exciting drag race at two hundred miles an hour, you don't need to go four hundred miles an hour. Um, Three hundred and thirty-five is pretty fast, so it's it's not it's not speed unless you're a nerd. It's how close
3: the finish is. Right, I I you agree know? because I agree.
7: It's, it's the light. Bef- they're leaving, before the light turns green, and in four seconds the race is over.
3: I know that's just uh, it's just crazy because uh, I'm about the same age as you, and I remember you know way back and when it really kind of started taking off and, and what it is today, it's just, uh, just absolutely, uh, for me, it's absolutely mind blowing, especially being, you know, an auto geek and and being in the field my entire life. It's just, uh, I, I just can't imagine pushing that much horsepower in an engine for four seconds. So. Uh,
7: exactly. And that's why it's kind of expensive. Every time they make a pass, the engine has to be torn down. The pistons come out, they put new pistons in, you've got to inspect the heads You've got to inspect the bottom of the engine down near the the oil pan because if anything even looks like it might be a problem, like I said, you don't want a 300-mile-an-hour hand grenade that's going to blow the body off the car and cause tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage.
3: Nope, you're exactly right. Well, uh, John, tell us how we can get tickets for the upcoming uh, IndyCar race, also the NHRA race. Where can they go and get tickets?
7: The best two ways. Uh, If you want to come down to the Speedway, come down to our ticket office. It's open Monday through Friday until 5 o'clock. Or you can call. um, The telephone number is 618-215-8888 or online 24 hours a day at www.traceway.com. And everything you need, all the info, the schedules, the ticket pricing, the seating plan to show you where your seats are, everything is online.
3: Well, John, I can't thank you enough for uh, hanging out with us a little bit, talking a little bit about uh, racing, love racing, and uh, the IndyCar racing, and then uh, obviously the NHRA as well. So, thank you so much for joining us here.
7: Hey, thank you for having us on. It's always good to be on our favorite station.
3: Thank you so much. That's our good friend John Bishi from Worldwide Technology Raceway. We got just a couple a couple minutes here before we have to take our top of the hour break, folks. I wanted to. Uh, Talk a little about the Red Cross. You know, the uh, blood shortage is is really bad. Uh, I mean, there is all sorts of stuff going on uh, with the blood shortage. Uh, Red Cross, other places looking for it as well. St. Louis has always been one of the top contenders as far as donating blood. Um, I mean, it is uh, it's very to a critical level where you need to do it. We give blood uh, at the Damon household all the time. And uh, I I can't think uh, of a a nicer thing you can do for anybody um, other than to give blood. Folks, we're up here at the top of the hour. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much. We'll be back.